The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I have my old buddy Larry Williams on, and uh, uh, it's going to be a, a good day. Larry, why don't we go across the street over at the airport? and take a flight okay and, and see if we can find out exactly where the bad weather is coming all I, right it <laughs> didn't it that that would be the best way to do it could yeah. could you land if something goes wrong yeah but we need an airplane first you know do you have an airplane <laughs> gosh they, they have airplanes all over the place well, would yeah. this be a day when mtsu students that are learning would this be a day that they would go up in this kind of weather i'd have to check the weather but probably not <clears throat> except uh well, probably not today because uh most of the instruction is given you know visually yeah and they do have some instrument instruction but today i would think that the freezing level would be down too low and uh no they're probably not flying today yeah you um had a kind of like a sabbatical or whatever uh, you, you were over at MTSU. They hired you to do what? I mean, I, I, I never have understood that. This has been in place, uh, the flying school uh, attached to MTSU for many years. It goes back. goes back to the uh, 40s. Wow. When it was at the uh, college airport. Yeah. You remember the college airport? No, I don't. I'm I'm not as old as you are, Larry. Yes, you are. Well, they moved out here in '52. Yeah, <clears throat> but it was at the end of Womack Lane. You know, I grew up at East Main and Womack Lane. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, it was uh, the strip was about where the two high rises are now. Okay. And one of the hangars is still there. It's the ROTC part of the ROTC building. And when I was going to school out there, it was the uh, rifle range. If you know where that is. Yeah, I do remember. <clears throat> and uh, they were getting, uh, they needed a longer runway. And uh, so the city bought some land out here mm -hmm. and built a runway and paved it. And uh, that was 1952. Uh, and it's been growing by leaps and bounds ever since. Was that the first connection with the university? Yeah, and in the 40s, they had the Civilian Pilot Training Program, CPT, uh -huh. where the government would train civilian pilots and then, you know, put them in the uh, Army back then, Army, and one of the Air Forces, Army Air Corps. Yeah. <clears throat> you got a great memory. <laughs> when Sometimes. Was, when, when was your first flight? Uh, June of 64. Wow. Yeah. That was the 
That was when I went in the service in 64. I, I was out of high school for about a week, and uh, a buddy of mine and I were watching um, these guys tow banners up and down Daytona Beach. We went down there right after our senior graduation. Mm -hmm. And the last day there, I said, you know, that would be the greatest job in the world, towing banners up and down the beach all day, you know. I used to see them all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah they're still doing it. When I had a condo back down there. And uh, I said, you know, I was thinking about taking flying lessons. He said, me too. Let's go out to the airport when we come back. And uh, about a week later, we were taking flying lessons. And you've become an expert in in so many different ways because um, you were actually um, part of the FAA when uh, um, they started, I, I, I guess, the scientific uh, puzzle of putting planes back together and uh, I, I I had the um, uh, the good fortune I, I'm not that the the plane crashes here were good fortune but I had the good fortune of watching you <laughs> do your job and I, I was totally amazed I, I didn't think it was possible to put that um, aircraft back together again and you, you were, uh, you would sit there and talk to me and tell me exactly what was <laughs> happening. And of course, it was way over my head. I mean, it, but uh, I was amazed at how well you did your job. Well, thank you, Truman. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you, you should have been there in in New York when uh, uh, what was it, Sully? Uh, Sully, yeah. Sully went down and. Um, I, I, I think I saw that movie four or five times because it just absolutely blew me away. You know, when I first saw that, <clears throat> I said, that guy is either a flight instructor or a glider pilot because he had everything just right. He had a little bit of flaps, which gives you a little more lift and slow it down a little bit. He kept the landing gear up because landing with the gear down could cause it to flip over. And he hit the water just perfectly. And, you know, he, he got up. Put in his put his sport jacket on and went back and forth three or four times to make sure everyone was out of the airplane before he the captain's the last one out off the ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that I, was I, one I, of his last flights. He retired uh, not long after that. He was he was uh, turning sixty five, I guess. Tell me about after the flight was over with and everything. They always. Uh, who who are the people that put everybody in a um, kind of like a learning room for everybody that's involved with flights? And um, who actually starts that? And and it becomes a major part of what actually happened during that flight. Well, the law says that NTSB is in charge of all accident investigations to determine the probable cause. So they yeah. take over <clears throat> and they ask for help from the FAA because they have a lot more people. NTSB only has maybe three or 400 employees. Yeah. And they ask for experts from the manufacturers. And, uh, you know, so there would be the, uh, from, from uh, autopilot, uh, avionics, uh, uh, air traffic, mm -hmm. uh, engines and all that. And they sit down and they have different groups on something that big. And they'll have a person in charge of a group and two or three people in each group to 
go in every day and look at what they're supposed to look at and report back. It's usually a briefing at the end of every day to what they yeah. found. <clears throat> so it, it was pretty intense. All right. Was that movie fairly accurate about? It was fairly accurate, you know. They they had a thing on there where they basically accused Sully of yeah of uh, not doing the right thing, and that never happened. I don't know. Oh, it didn't happen. No, I think they might have looked at it, and uh, 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 they never really actually accused him of. of uh, you know, there were some rumors he should have turned back around and landed at the airport, and he he knew he didn't have enough airspeed and altitude, so he said, "I'm taking it in the Hudson." That was the only choice he had. Well, it, it, during the movie, it seemed like his whole career was in jeopardy. It did, yeah. That was not really factual. Well, wasn't that movie based on a book that he and his uh, co-pilot? I think so. Yeah. Uh, wrote yeah. together. Yeah. But but uh, as Hollywood does, it it, it, it changes yeah. much of what yeah. what really happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they hadn't had that, it would be kind of a, a less. Uh, well, you got to be mad at somebody in today's <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised somebody didn't shoot somebody. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens nowadays. But but you know uh, uh, Admiral Jimmy Taylor, and he told me after I saw that movie and I talked to him about it, he said Sully was his hero. He said there are very, very few pilots that that could have landed that plane the way he did. Yeah. Now, the co-pilot didn't get a lot of uh, accolades either, but he was doing his job. You know, he was yeah. He was trying to restart the engine, and he was letting everybody know what was going on. Yeah. And the flight attendants didn't have much time, but, of course, they got prepped as fast as they could and then got everybody out of the airplane. That's their job. And... Uh, started sinking uh, some people started going to the back and it was filling up with water so they directed them to the overwing and and front emergency mm -hmm. exits it, it's amazing i i, I <clears throat> from what i um assume that the people the passengers followed directions very very well yeah and in in the, the people in new york that were rushing to save them, yeah, uh, it was, it was almost like God put everything in place and made sure that it happened that way. Yeah, except most of them didn't reach underneath the seat and pull out the life preserver. Remember? With the one with the duck head on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very few of them did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Flying today as a passenger, um, it's not as much fun as it used to be. It is not. No, it's uh, it's a uh, stressful situation. Yeah, because even before you board the plane, they put you through all kinds of crap, <laughs> and I, I, I guess it's it's has to be a, a safety procedure that that they do, but. It seems like the last time I flew, they checked me every inch of my body. Really? And, but then you look at all the others, uh, people that don't get checked, and it's funny, they would be the ones that I would be uh, yeah. 
maybe, checking out. Maybe you met some sort of profile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. They probably heard the radio show. I guess that's what it was. Uh, tell me, uh, what is the future, if you can, uh, if, uh, if you're allowed to, what is the future of um, um, MTSU hooking with other airports to continue to have the large number of people who are looking to uh, be part of the air traffic? Well, you know, the airport is pretty well, like a lot of airports, it's very little room to grow. Of course, yeah. they do have plans to grow and make more hangars. They have a long waiting list for hangars. They have a waiting list for tie-down space. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what I'm told is MTSU, and it's public knowledge, that they are looking at other airports. Uh, and they've asked for funds, and I saw where the governor has asked for 60-some-odd million dollars to build an aerospace campus, and they're still looking into that. The rumors are it's going to be Shelbyville. I will tell you that. And that's what everyone says. Yeah. <laughs> that's the closest one. Smyrna is pretty well saturated they can't handle much more traffic especially that type of traffic when you have 35 40 airplanes taking off and landing all hours from six in the morning to midnight and uh shelbyville as uh has a uh, welcome uh, mtsu uh, they've looked at other airports but just it's, it's just a little bit too far away shelbyville is, is that the one just this side of shelbyville from here <laughs> yeah, that's Shelbyville Airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, if you live on the south side of town, you can get to Shelbyville Airport faster than you get here. You know, I know some friends that have airplanes and they they keep them in Shelbyville. They live out there on the south side of town. It's it's because of traffic. So. Would there be less air traffic uh, in Shelbyville to begin with? Oh, there is, yeah. Shelbyville has very little traffic right now. <clears throat> a lot of their traffic is MTSU going down there and, and making approaches and, and landings and things of that nature. So that w- MTSU will probably never have their own airport, will they? That would be uh, very expensive. And where would you put it? There's just no land anymore, you know. No one wants an airport next to them. No one wants a dump next to them or... Uh, water disposal plant or whatever. I don't know of anywhere where you could put an airport around here that would have enough acres, enough space. What what type of liability would the Smyrna Airport have to be part of the MTSU training ground? Well, no more liability. Uh, You know, it's it's got longer runways and two runways and a tower, Mm -hmm. but uh, their traffic is... uh, up pretty good right now and uh, they have a lot more faster airplanes that come in out of there Mm -hmm. Uh, they have a lot more jet traffic Uh, i think contour aviation one of the operators down there they have like 25 or 30 airplanes that they operate out of there and they're all jets yeah they do a lot of charter work and things of that nature there's three flight schools down there now maybe four so there's probably 40 airplanes right now being used for flight instruction. 
does the MT, does MTSU itself do they contract uh, flight instructors for, for the, the students that they have over there? They are uh, the flight instructors are employees. They're part time. They're paid by the hour. Most of them, yeah, and most of them are new flight instructors, like I did, like a lot of kids do. You learn to fly, get your flight instructor rating. And then you get paid to teach someone else to fly, and you log hours. Yeah. That was a – when Miller Lanier explained that to me, I, I thought that was – it was unbelievable. I said, now, wait a minute now. I get my flight instructor certificate here, and then you're going to pay me – back then it was $4 an hour – to fly with somebody and teach them to fly, and I can log that time? And he said, yep, that's right, boy. So I said, sign me up. Sounds like a good deal to me. Something just doesn't sound right about that. <laughs> I can see why you hedged a little bit on that. But um, yeah, I would have done it free, you know, to get the flying time and the experience. I can tell you, Larry, I wouldn't have been flying with you. <laughs> I can remember when Steve first started flying, and and uh, after I think he finally got he got his license pretty quick, yeah. actually, and and then uh, uh, he said, Truman. Let's go flying. I said, how many hours you got up there, big boy? And he told me, and I said, no way. You never went flying with him? I never went flying with him. Well, and you know, I probably should have. Um, I, I have flown with people that probably um, would be a little bit more uh, dangerous than Steve was because I, fl I flew with people over 300 pounds and had heart problems. And can you imagine what would have happened if they had had yeah, you would a, an become, incident? Yeah, you would become the pilot in command. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could ever pull him back up or not once we started down. It would have been uh, – but it, I, I love flying, and, and uh, uh, it's one of those things that I never did, and I probably should have done it. Never too late. You can go right across the street and start today. Do, do, do I get a, uh, a medical uh, – alert thing as far as uh, <laughs> when, you, when you go up i mean it's amazing yeah <laughs> now uh all of all these um years that you have um, been investigating um what is first thing they start looking at, at of course is there is was there anything wrong with the plane itself while they were in the air yeah. Most people who um, fly are very competent once they get up in the air, aren't they? Yeah. But who who does, actually does the check over for all the aircraft that actually um, leave the runway and make sure that everything's going to be safe for them? Well, the FAA requires certain inspections. Yeah. Depends on the size of the airplane and, and whether it's – uh, private or commercial <clears throat> so the FAA oversees that but all the actual uh, what we call turning the wrenches and, and inspections are done yeah. by mechanics that are certified by the FAA and uh, especially in air carriers the FAA has a lot more oversight and they will check they'll actually walk in and watch them working and check the log books and all that mm -hmm. nature things of that nature uh, as far as pilots the same thing the pilots or they have to take a written test and a check ride now most 
check rides are given by designees that charge a fee that the FAA has designated to give check rides. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the airlines, uh, the uh, airlines have designated check airmen that their employees that give the the uh, check rides to the pilots, and then they have to go back for retraining every year or so, and they have to take another check ride, just like initial check ride. Yeah. So there's a lot of oversight, especially in the air carrier business. Yeah. We've got a sign to take a break. Let's do that, and then we'll be right back. All right. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And I would highly recommend Adams Place. It's a place to enjoy life. It's comfortable. The settings are homelike and not sterile. Adams Place is a place they're looking out for you. You feel at home, and I'm very fortunate there's a lot of people here I already knew. To get back to the food, I want to say one thing. The chef does a fabulous job here. I'm Larry Castelli. You know, I would highly recommend Adam's Place. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Guys, there's a lot of people talking about testosterone these days, but do your homework and be sure you go to a provider that you can trust. I recommend Low T Center. There are many reasons why. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness. They check all your levels, not just testosterone. They determine the cause of any symptoms you're having and whether or not you're a candidate to low T or something else like thyroid or even sleep apnea. Their annual health assessment is typically completely covered by most health insurance and is thorough, checking everything from PSA, which is your prostate levels, thyroid, liver, kidney functions, cholesterol, glucose, and more. Low T Center has affordable and convenient options for treatment, including monitored self-inject treatment that ships to your home. Make your health a priority this year and schedule your annual health assessment today. It's covered by most health insurance or less than $100 cash pay. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment today. Low T Center, reinventing men's health Hi, this is Bob Cornell, pastor of Covenant Church right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The answer that you've been looking for is found in Jesus and what he accomplished at the cross. You see, Jesus changes lives from the inside out. We would love for you to join us at Covenant Church located at 1124 Brinkley Ave right here in Murfreesboro. We have services Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. You can learn more about us at our Cornell Ministries YouTube channel. We want you to grow in Christ at Covenant Church. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Police in Smyrna are attempting to find a woman believed to be involved in a shoplifting incident at Hibbett Sports. The suspect reportedly entered the store, grabbed around $1,300 worth of jerseys, and left. She made a getaway in a silver two-door sedan or mid-sized coupe manufactured between 1998 and 2008. 
There's a security photo posted on WGNSRadio.com and info on who to call if you think you recognize her. As part of the City of Laverne's year-long celebration of its 50th anniversary of incorporation, the Parks Department has scheduled an anniversary fun run 5K March 19th. Racers will run about one and a half miles along the Hurricane Creek Greenway before turning around at the Greenway parking lot on Stones River Road and returning to complete the race at the Bicentennial Park Pavilion. Registration is now open. Follow the link at our website. Rutherford County and Tennessee's pothole problems only seem to be getting worse. According to a new study conducted by QuoteWizard.com, the Volunteer State was ranked eighth in the top ten worst states in the country for potholes. The study looked at search data for potholes related to complaints, along with repairs dating back to 2004. The list was topped by Washington State. Humphrey's County Sheriff deputies have busted a drug trafficking ring after a month-long investigation. 41-year-old William Clunan and 38-year-old Robin Shaughnessy were arrested after authorities say both were involved in selling drugs from a McEwen home. Meth, heroin, ecstasy, mushrooms, and a marijuana growing operation were all found. Clunan and Shaughnessy are facing a laundry list of charges. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. Whether you're a student, alumni, or just a fan, Raider Tees has exactly what you need to help you cheer on the Blue Raiders on game days and every moment in between. We sell officially licensed Blue Raider gear. Whether it's clothing, hats, flags, chairs, or just whatever, we have it all, including exclusive gear you won't find anywhere else. Like us on Facebook for updates on new Blue Raider gear and special prices or discounts. For all your Blue Raider gear, shop Raider Tees today. Bigger, better, and go blue! Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. A winter weather advisory will go into effect here later tonight. Periods of rain showers here for this afternoon, a cloudy sky conditions, and high into the mid-50s. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 39. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Larry Williams. You, you know, uh, Ronnie Martin was a little taken back because he wanted to be here with you, but he was on earlier. And being a, a member of the uh, city council that... Uh, he does all his homework. He, he He's always, anything that comes across his desk that is going to be interesting to the, uh, or the people in Murfreesboro need to know, he, he, he tries to do uh, that research that you have to do. I don't see how these city councilmen can get anything done because they all have, most of them have full-time jobs and mayor, uh, and so they must work 24 hours a day. 
you know, with with uh, what how many people we have here now? One hundred and thirty or forty or fifty thousand. So you know they get a lot of calls. I don't know. I'll go out and count them when we yeah. get, when we get yeah. through. You're not in there because you're just outside the city there. I'm in the safety zone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think for the next twenty years of building. I, I will still right. be in my own little uh, yeah. uh, island away from here. They're not going that way. They're going towards Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, MTSU uh, went searching, and they hired you to be the safety director or something safety like that. Safety officer. Officer. Okay. Uh, tell me about that and, and what it entails. Well, there's, there's different titles, but safety officers, one, I've done some audits they call him the vice president of safety or or safety director whatever a safety officer basically runs the safety program Mm -hmm. and in aviation uh, there's a thing called safety management system Mm -hmm. well it's in other other uh, entities too but a safety management system is a uh, organized system that uh, basically tries to determine any kind of potential hazards and attempts to reduce those hazards as low as reasonably practical. And it was mitigation. Mm-hmm. And like I was telling you earlier, that's another acronym, A-L-A-R-P. And uh, basically that's what he does. And how you do that is get information from the users and uh, anyone else, but mostly the users. Like on an airline, <clears throat> you'll have a safety report. Mm-hmm. If a flight uh, lands somewhere and he sees that uh, something's wrong with uh, the lighting at the airport or something like that, he'll do a safety report. And like on the airlines, not just the operations, I had one that the uh, flight attendant uh, reported that they were staying at a hotel had outside doors only and they didn't feel safe. And so they had never thought about that, you know, so they... So we're not staying places like that anymore. So he, that's mitigated. And it, it all comes down from years ago when uh, ICAO, International Civil Aviation Organization, came up with a, uh, an idea, basically a rule, they call it annexes, mm-hmm. that says a uh, operator of large aircraft shall have a safety management system. And now in the U.S., only their carriers have that. Uh, Operators of large aircraft here don't have to have it yet, Uh, small aircraft either. Some of them do, and that's what I was telling you earlier. I I do audits to uh, get them certified where they have a piece of paper that says if they land in another country that enforces that, they can show that they comply with that with ICAO rules. <clears throat> but there's probably uh, very few countries that are um, uh, as safe-minded as the United States. We're probably the safest, and there's some that uh, years ago I got a call from a, a operator that said they needed SMS, <clears throat> and they needed me to do an audit. And they were kind of in a hurry. I said, there's no hurry because only people that are enforcing it right now is uh, Bermuda and uh, 
France, and I think uh, I think uh, Bahamas were. And he said we go to Bermuda twice a year. <laughs> so I said okay. So they got certified just in case they got what's called a ramp check. Yeah. Now what what would be MTSU's need for a, a, a safety officer? Well, anytime anything we do has a hazard, mm-hmm. and anytime you start growing, you know they started out. I don't know, eight or ten airplanes 25 years ago back in the early 90s, and mm-hmm. I think they have 33 or four now, and they have over 400 students. So you have a lot of students and a lot of activity, and so they were aware that we need a uh, person that reports to what's called the accountable executive. That's another ICAO uh, acronym. The accountable executive is the person who can provide both financial and uh, human resources. Mm -hmm. So usually the safety officer reports to either the CEO or maybe a vice president, something like that. Like uh, uh, if it's a smaller operation, they'll report to the CEO. Something as big as uh, an airline would report to probably the vice president of safety or whatever. And so this position reports directly to the dean of the College of Basic and Applied Sciences, which is over the aerospace department. Yeah. And uh, would that be someone who has been in um, the air business for a number of years? You mean the safety officer? Yeah, yeah, no, no, the dean uh, that would be uh, the one that everyone was reporting to. Well, they report to the chair of the department, and then the chair reports to the dean. But in this case, like it should be, <clears throat> they determined that the accountable executive would be the dean who's over, I think he has like 10 different departments. Yeah. And he's not necessarily a pilot. And they're not necessarily a pilot, uh, you know, accountable executive for American Airlines might not be a pilot. Yeah. But, he, but How intense is the training there? And and what is the uh, object of of the students going through? Most of them that go through the the training. I think most of them go through there to get a degree and to get a a commercial pilot certificate mm-hmm. in order to get on with airlines. And you have to have a minimum if you go through an approved school like MTSU, you have to have a thousand hours. If you don't, you have to have fifteen hundred hours. Yeah. So they go there and they get their flight instructor certificate and they start flight instructing either there or somewhere else all of them don't go to work there and uh, when they get a thousand hours most of them get hired with airlines right now they're hiring like crazy actually uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that works for Atlas and he said they're hiring them with 960 hours because they get 40 hours in training so the day they get a thousand hours they're flying in the right seat of a 767 or 747 or something like that. Not 747. They start them out on smaller airplanes. Atlas has uh, some 767s, I think. So when you first start, it's just like driving out in the country for somebody that's learning how to drive a car yeah. or, or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I hope that they are much more... Uh, I hope they're well trained a lot more than the average driver out here in yeah. Murfreesboro going down right. the street. And luckily, the guy in the right seat has control. He can take control at any time. 
<laughs> it's required to have dual control. So. How long? How long will you have a a person, a trainer, with you when you first start uh, flying? Well, to get a private certificate, it's forty hours. Commercial is two hundred, but if you go through MTSU, it's just they train to proficiency. So whenever they get ready for the check ride, they can have one hundred and fifty hours. Uh, for a commercial, and then flight instructor, uh, a flight instructor certificate. If he just goes out and and decides to become a flight instructor, he can get any flight instructor to fly with him till he gets ready to fly to, to check ride. Uh, over here, uh, they have flight instructors with 160 hours to 200 hours when they first get their flight instructor rating. Do, do, is it graded? your ability to fly an airplane while you're being trained is it graded much like all the other subjects at yeah, mtsu yeah, yeah yeah now what if you have a certain problem that you're having really a lot of trouble with uh, in your flight instructions that does happen and occasionally some people just can't fly very rare uh, but uh Sometimes it's just something that uh, what I used to do when I was a flight instructor, we would go to another flight instructor and say, "Hey, how about flying with this guy and see what I'm maybe what I'm missing, you know?" Yeah. And uh, there's just certain sometimes some maneuvers that the guy just can't get right. Just more practice. That. All right. Um, all right, you, you, we've we've had great schools around here. Jimmy Taylor has been part of of uh, uh, some of the schools. Uh, everybody's seen the movie. What was it, Top Gun or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, when you say if you're training someone and uh, they're just getting started, and then you look and at watch him, see how he maneuvers the aircraft and everything. And he he is special. You you know he is going to be uh, one of those pilots that can uh, you would want to have up there when you're flying in in a passenger plane or or maybe a, a military a aircraft. Do you is it does that happen sometimes that you will let uh, either uh, a commercial airline or maybe. Um, um, people that you know in the military and uh, say, this guy, you've got to watch him. He, he is really, really something special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had students like that, and I've had given check rides, you know, getting a check ride would last for an hour, hour and a half, and within the first 10 or 15 minutes, I knew this guy had it, had it down pat, and he was going to pass easy. You know? Have you ever asked him to do something – Special? No. While he's in there? <laughs> no. No, not while I'm in there, no. <laughs> you I mean like fly on a bridge or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> what What was it? Secondhand lines where they tried to fly through the the uh, top of the um, barn? Yeah. Yeah. But some people are just, I'm not going to call them crazy, but, but they love the adventures of doing the, the things that they can do in that aircraft yeah and sometimes people do things they probably shouldn't have like fly on a bridge or buzz or uh, have you ever wanted to do that yeah you're pretty confident aren't you big boy 
<laughs> I would have liked to have flown with you some. I, I really would. Um, there's just some people that you have that confidence in them. You just know that they're going to do everything right. And, all right. What, what happens if there is some type of problem with the aircraft and you have somebody that's um, you're training? Do you automatically take over during that type of situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Sully did, you know. I think the co-pilot was flying. He's and he took over as soon. Yeah. He lost both engines. He's. I got it. And uh, yeah. Have you ever had one just get that a panic when you when you take them up and? Yeah, I had one that had. I had trouble taking over. He was kind of. He was stronger than me, you know. Uh oh. And finally, he finally let go. You know, he was—I forgot what he was doing, but I said, "Let, let me have the airplane." I said, uh, "Let yeah. me have the airplane." And it was a tandem where you had a stick in between you. He was in the front. And I said, yeah. I said, "That sure is stiff there. I, I don't think I've got the airplane yet." <laughs> and finally, he let go. And some people are scared to do stalls. Is that's very no reason to be scared. A stall is when you lose lift and the airplane just kind of drops down. Most new yeah. modern airplanes. They're hard to stall. They're hard to spin. So, if you just let go of it, it'll recover itself. So, and does it always happen the way it should happen? When you sometimes, do a stall? if maybe an airplane is not rigged perfectly, uh, sometimes a wing will fall off a little bit, or or someone has pushed the rudder in a little more than they should have, or a little less. But but it's usually nothing spectacular. How much knowledge do you have to know about the aircraft itself? Well, you should know the basic operating systems. You don't have to know what every, anything that you can't fix in the cockpit. You really mm -hmm. don't have to know a whole lot about that. But on an oral check ride, the examiner will ask you all the different temperatures, maximum and minimums and things of that nature. and and how much uh, fuel can you carry, and is there any kind of uh, uh, restriction to the fuel? You know, sometimes you get too much in one wing, and there's so much you can only have in balance, it's called, things of that nature. Yeah. And you have to know, you know, landing gear, how, does, how do you put it down if it doesn't come down automatically? How do you crank it down, or things of that nature? Are most aircraft safe almost, what, 99.5%? I would think. Yeah. But it, it, it seems like that there are pilots that make it a lot safer than, than other pilots. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just have that mindset of, yeah. of everything that, that makes this plane work correctly. Yeah. yeah. Some pilots will not fly an airplane if any little thing is not working perfectly, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which it is supposed to, with some exception, and depending on what kind of flight you're in, like daytime visual flight. You don't have to have hardly any instruments. Uh, basically, uh, uh, oil pressure and uh, oil temperature, I think, and a, a fuel gauge yeah, and a compass. Not a whole lot. You don't even have to have a, a, a battery or, or electrical system. So there's not a whole lot to go wrong. Well, in airplane, <laughs> yeah, there are a number of things went wrong but that's led me to i've always wanted to know say somebody's up in american airlines and the place is full then all of a sudden 
all the pilots b become unable to do anything. They mm -hmm. have a, uh, can a person that's never flown an airplane, can that person listen to someone on the radio guide them in with all, all of the um, things that they have to look at? And is that possible? I mean, uh, it, a person would have to be very unusual, I presume. Yeah, uh, it has happened. But usually the person that did that has either had some flying or maybe just a couple hours or something like that. <clears throat> but in a modern jet, it would be very difficult. But, it, you know, you do the best you can. Uh, the jet does a lot by itself. That's right. If you know how to program it, it'll, it'll, yeah. new airplanes, they take off, put on the autopilot, and the next time you turn the autopilot off is when you start taxing towards the uh, terminal building. Auto, auto land, auto reverse, auto brake. Well, won't you and I go out and we'll fill the plane full of some of our least buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just see how far I could go <laughs> yeah. before I actually just went head in crashing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just... I, I know I'm crazy about that stuff, but um, I never have felt unsafe in an aircraft. Never. Well, it's the safest mode of transportation. One of the safest. There might be some more, but I can't think of it as far as, uh, as, far as really transporting people. Yeah. I think I read somewhere where a moving sidewalk was safer than flying an airplane. But what? <laughs> that's, if that's transportation, I don't know. <laughs> Not too many people have been killed on a moving sidewalk, but yeah, the the only trouble is you probably got seventy or eighty buddies up there with you when something goes wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And and modern, you know, it used to be back in the fifties and sixties, we were having a lot of accidents, and it was a lot of it was uh, mechanical problems. Yeah. And with the new jet engines and new engines, it's hardly ever anything goes wrong. We have better avionics and navigations and weather reporting. It used to be uh, mm -hmm. not every airport had any kind of weather reporting. Now almost everyone has automatic weather reporting. <clears throat> and you can, uh, back in the old days, we had to call long distance to Nashville to check the weather. Now it's uh, everything's done on computer. Yeah, uh, You can pick up your phone and call. Like I used to live in Juneau, Alaska. You can check the weather in Juneau right now. It's the actual it's called automatic weather observation system. It will tell you the weather right then, mm -hmm. at uh, you know the, the altitude of the uh, and, and coverage of the clouds, the uh, visibility, temperature, winds, and any notums. That's another acronym. <laughs> Notice this to airmen like runways. Don't give me those acronyms. <laughs> I can't remember those things. Like uh, runways closed or 300 yeah. feet of the runways closed or something yeah. like that. Well. Uh, our F-15s are still working. Are they now? Yeah. <laughs> we got some flying over toward, uh, actually around the Ukraine area right now. You know, I've been to Ukraine, and I don't understand. Uh, it's a communist country, but it doesn't look communist. It's, it's capitalistic. There's McDonald's, there's uh, KFC. They've gone completely away from, it, yeah. it, it, it's just like Hong Kong was with China. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hong Kong was nothing like China, but yeah. now it's been brought under the their thumb, and it, it, it's yeah. amazing how they. Uh, I was I was amazed the whole time I was there because we were walking up the street to go to a restaurant and we buy, we went past the city cafe. I said, "This is where we need to eat," <laughs> but it was already closed. It closes like five in the afternoon. But they did have, you have to have much contact and conversation with the people there? Well, what Ukraine? In Ukraine, yeah. Not now. This was three or four years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> we were getting there. CAA, Civil Aviation Authority, mm -hmm. uh, ready for a audit from the FAA so they can send their aircraft to the U.S. Yeah. And they passed the audit. But uh, I don't know what's going on now. Well, of course, it's obvious that Russia would like to have the USSR again. And uh, I think that... Um, uh, China and uh, they're, they're kind of pushing buttons that think they have a feel like they have a little bit more freedom during uh, today's world than yeah. what they had before but uh, I hope they don't draw us in but uh, I've, I've noticed that uh, a lot of the aircraft that uh, the military has over there are the 15s and I still uh, I think that may have been probably the best military aircraft they ever had at one time I, you know more about that what they have now than i do but I, you like to keep up with it i, I don't know what they have now <laughs> it's been uh, a few years have, have you ever flown a military aircraft i've flown in them yeah yeah uh, did you do like dan whittle and uh they they gave him you know a bulletproof vest and everything when he was flying. taking out one of the Thunderbirds or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and uh, he got he, sick. He, I bet didn't he? Well, <laughs> no. Uh, one of the uh, reporters from Nashville, I think it was, um, uh, they didn't have a, a vest on. Oh. Uh, Whittle had taken their vest and he was sitting on it to protect everything at the time. <laughs> Isn't it funny? You can you can bring out all kinds of things about people's personalities by putting them in a plane. Well, I know almost everybody they take off gets sick because when they start pulling eight or nine or ten Gs, that's you know, and start doing the yeah. rolls and stuff like that. Well, so it's not unusual. I remember when uh, I was um, doing some jumps when I was in the uh, military, and. Uh, the plane was having a hard time finding our drop zone. Why? I don't know. I never did understand that. But uh, we were doing what you call combat flights where you, they'd fly straight and then all of a sudden the bottom would fly out and you would go down as fast as you could and then level off and let, let everybody go out the door. But uh, he missed three or four times. <laughs> Can you imagine how sick... We all of us were, and some of them were uh, vomiting on your parachute and things like that. I, I was basically counting the whole time, trying to keep from getting sick myself. There's, there's all kinds of ways, but uh, you know, it, it's fun. It, it really is. Those things, the memories of it, are really fun. Yeah. Doing all those things, and I know talking to J.D. Kennedy, J.D. Uh, I like to say. Uh, uh, everybody put JD in your prayers because uh, he has uh, had some very bad health problems right now. But uh, 
anyway, uh, I'd love to talk to him because he would drop a lot of paratroopers out and things like that. But uh, you can't go through life without having some um, major adventures in your life, can you? It, no. it just doesn't happen. No, you need an adventure every now and then. Yeah, yeah. you you got to have them, or, or you just humdrum. Yeah. Um, how did you train to put um, aircraft back together that when it has hit the ground, and it's almost like an explosion when it hits the ground? Well, the FAA has training courses, mm -hmm. several. Uh, let's see, it was basic and advanced aircraft accident investigation, helicopter aircraft accident investigation, and uh, then another one was uh, all it talked about was the avionics part, mm -hmm. about a week or two of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and recently they've got into cabin accident investigation, just looking into the cabin on, mm -hmm. on how the uh, seats were deformed if they were and whatever and uh, a lot of those courses and then I went out to uh, University of Southern California they have a uh, accident investigation school mm -hmm. different courses uh, one of those was just on turbine engine investigation uh, one was photography how to photograph mm -hmm. and uh, things of that nature <clears throat> it's, it's either the NTSB or or FAA or private companies like University of Southern California. Yeah. And that they have all those courses and then a lot of it's on the job. You know, you go to the first accident and the guy who's been doing it for years shows you what we're looking for. I don't know how you do it. Um, and how many, how many, uh, I'm sure that all passenger uh, uh, aircraft uh, they have the um, the box that tells you a lot of things that's going on at that time. Yeah, it depends on the size of the aircraft. <clears throat> it has to have a cockpit voice recorder yeah. and a flight data recorder. And the new flight data recorders are very uh, sophisticated. The old ones were was a little uh, wire recorder. Mm -hmm. And they were recording like four or five different things, but the new ones are uh, almost unlimited. And what do they t What do they tell you? Everything. They tell you your, your speed, altitude, uh, direction, uh, temperature, uh, whether you're going up and down, how fast you're going up and down. Uh, of course, the cockpit force recorder records everything in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they're called black boxes, but they're not. They're orange. Yeah. I <laughs> don't know why they got that. Big orange. Big orange <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. And they're usually uh, uh, intact, and even, you know, hitting the water at 300 miles an hour and whatever. Uh, what, what the, the pilot, what is he saying at that time? Is, is that he, he's just doing all the things? Is he, is he relating that back? to the ones who may be investigating it later on. Sometimes. Sometimes they're not saying anything uh, when they see that they're going to crash. Just, just silence. Now, the accident, Air Florida took off from Washington and hit the 14th Street Bridge. Mm -hmm. They were talking the whole time. The whole time, the pilots didn't think 
the aircraft was developing enough power, and they talked each other into it. When they first pushed the power up, one of them said, that didn't sound right, that didn't look right, and they started rolling down the runway, and you can hear them bouncing around, you know, all the the uh, ice and stuff hitting underneath the belly. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one of them said, we need any more speed, we need 10 more knots. And uh, finally they rotated, and as soon as they rotated, the stall warning, which is called a stick shaker, it, sticks, it shakes the yoke. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's basically a motor that runs, and you yeah. hear that. And uh, the co-pilot tells the pilot, who, his name was Larry, he says, Larry, we're not going to make it. And Larry says, I know it. And they mm-hmm. hit the bridge. All they had to do is push the power all the way up. They were getting false readings because they hadn't de-iced properly and the probe was frozen and it was showing a, a, a warmer temperature than what really was. Mm. And all they had to do is just push the power up. And when the NTSB listened to that, listening to, listening to the power, they, they knew exactly approximately what this power setting was and it was only like 80%, which should be 100%. Does the air traffic controllers a lot of time a- able to relate things back to the pilot that give him a better reading of what's going on? Well, sometimes they'll call a pilot and say, you know, your number two engine's got smoke coming out, and they didn't know it, you know, or fire or whatever, things of that nature. But uh, 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 when you have a lost pilot, hardly ever happens anymore because of all the avionics, but a good controller can calm the guy down and and vector him to a safe landing area. I can see how that would happen because it, it would be easy to start losing uh, your um, uh, ability to, to function when you know that oh, yeah. it, it, when you're getting a, a false reading or something like that and you know yeah. everything is gone, you're not going to get back. But but the pilots know that their voice is going to be heard by someone later on. Oh yeah, they know everything's recorded. Yeah. Yeah, and and it looks like that would kind of give them a little bit more of a of a better way of letting people know what's going on. Yeah, they probably just don't think about it, you know. Well, they're thinking about dying. I can see that. <laughs> Bless their hearts. Yeah. One thing about great pilots, they have a way of controlling their emotions, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I was in a class years ago. This was in the 80s, and a guy had done a study of pilots, and he said most pilots are either the oldest or or youngest. I mean, the oldest or the only child. And... He gave me a number, but I forgot. Uh, it's like 10% of uh, boys become Eagle Scouts, but 30% of pilots were Eagle Scouts. So he said they're overachievers. I never thought of myself as being an overachiever. But. Was that someone who would want to bec- make that their um, career? Yeah. Uh, I can see that. I'm surprised. And, and they're focused. You know, to become an Eagle Scout is not easy. You weren't an Eagle Scout, were you? No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Too hard, wasn't it? <laughs> I never had a desire to be a, a, an Eagle Scout, to be perfectly well, honest. That's why you never became a pilot then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I never even thought about What'd you, that. What did you want to do when you grew up? 
<laughs> they Mickey Mantle. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I was amazed by him. But really, uh, I changed something constantly at what I wanted to do in my career. And, and it, it just, I just enjoyed every day that I had. So you had two or three. You were bus driver, right? No, no, no. Oh. I worked at the Graham bus station oh, in Nashville, yeah. okay. though, for a pretty go. good will. I, I, I enjoyed being in the service uh, in the 18th Airborne. I enjoyed that. I, 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 um, I did not enjoy selling insurance, I can tell you. I was going to ask you, did you ever sell insurance or real estate? You did insurance, huh? Yeah. Okay. And I never, I never enjoyed it, but I enjoyed the people that I met. Yeah. I think that um, uh, people always fascinate me, no matter what they do. Uh, I'm, a fascin- I'm fascinated by plumbers or electricians, <laughs> people who work with uh, 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 electrical work and the stuff like that, because um, um, those are things that I couldn't do. I really yeah. couldn't. I don't have those uh, abilities, but I love people. I think that's why I uh, I like the show here. Uh, but uh, that there are days that you know that it's coming to an end, like anything else. And well, you know, working one hour a day is pretty rough sometimes. <laughs> oh, it wears you out. I mean, what are you talking about? You 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 uh, you got to be somewhere every day. At nine o'clock, you got to be right here every day. Well, you have to be over at the airport uh, pretty soon because the donuts are already re- ready. That's right. I hope we have it. some left. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're out of time, big boy. Is there anything we missed saying that you wanted to say about? No, I can't think <clears> anything. You, I, everybody knows you love um, being in the air and you, you love doing that job. There's just something. You were probably new at a very early age what you wanted to do as far as a career was concerned. Well, it's in my book. I wanted to be a pilot, but my mother said it's too dangerous. You can't do that. But she changed her mind when I got 18 anyway. And Is that your book? Yeah. I Larry you, Williams, I The Unruly the, Skies? I thought you had a copy. No, I do not. Are you I've sure? got to read that. Well, why didn't you push your book a little bit this morning well, I'm when we hold got it up, started? Hold it up to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to be on Channel 2 in Atlanta this afternoon. Why in Atlanta? Well, Atlanta crew came That's up. a lot of people there. You could sell a lot of books in Atlanta, <laughs> people. <laughs> well, crew came up from WSB Channel 2, which is a big station down there, looking into the FAA certification uh-huh. processes yeah and there is some question about Cessna 172s and 150s that have trouble getting the water out of their tanks and there was some investigation that we did years ago and uh, the FA just kind of dropped it uh, they said Cessna you need to fix this and then Cessna came in were their engineering drawings and said, yes, yeah, our drawings say that the water will get out of the tanks, and they accepted that. And I was in on that, and I said, why don't we just go out there and pour some water in there and see if it comes out? And they said, we can't do that. How does the water get in there? Just condensation. Oh, okay. But if you fill it up, and most people do, it's hard to get in, but it will get in there. And sometimes it'll leak through if the cap is not tight. Mm -hmm. 
but you have sumps that you drain. And uh, sometimes in these tanks, they'll get caught in a rib because they're, they're, it's called a wet wing. You know, it's mm -hmm. not really a tank. And sometimes there are tanks, but the rib, we found out that a little bit of water get caught in there kind of like a dam, and then it mm -hmm. builds up, and then a, a bubble comes up, and then before long, it'll get down in the gasolator, and it's nothing but water going into the engine, and the engine quits. I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, how, at what point and when did they call you to be down there? Because And how do we get to see it? Well, they came up here about a month ago, spent the, the day up here. And I got an email that's going to be on this afternoon, and they're going to send me the link, you know, where you can go on the Internet. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Usually. Can you, can you share that with us, or how, how does that work? Yeah, when I, find I, out, when I find out what the link is, or you can go on WSB.com, I guess, in Atlanta. That's what I did. Uh -huh. And uh, I haven't got the link yet. So, But he said this afternoon at uh, 545 Eastern. And, uh, that's 445 our time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not on there yet. He said he was going to send it to me, but it might be like a lot of things. They put it off uh, for something else came on. But they spent a day up here, and uh, I wish you had told me. Well, we could we could have had it on the show while you were doing that one. Well, we can still if it's on there, we'll download it and have it on the show. We'll do that. But usually they tell you, they talk to you about an hour. For every hour, it's about a one-minute show. Oh, I know. And he said, this is going to be six minutes, which is pretty long. You know, I've, I've had interviews before, maybe 30 minutes, and I was on there for less than a minute. I've uh, done that many yeah. times. Yeah. And the things that are important, they're, they're yeah, left sometimes out. They, yeah, they, yeah. Only what they want to put in. And a lot of times it's, it's, it makes it a whole lot different than what it should have been. Yeah, sometimes. All right, the, the, the book is Unruly Skies and uh, One Man's Journey Inside the Federal Aviation Administration. Of course, Larry Williams, Larry H. Williams. And uh, how how does one purchase this? Amazon.com or me. I keep a couple in the car. I would think that that would be a big time big seller. Yeah, you know, because, John because Gresham. Every, yeah, John Gresham started out that way. He had back then you had to have like a thousand copies. You know, now they just print them whenever you want one. But he had them in the trunk of his car, and he'd go around selling books. And finally, he's. Now he's selling millions of them, you know. Of course, the, uh, this people who fly, uh, a lot yeah. of them would like to know uh, a little bit more about yeah. what's going on with the Inside aircraft. the FAA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And I took that picture going into Juneau uh, about a week before I retired. I was up there doing something, and I just decided to, oh, that looks good, as he turned towards final. It looks like it's in the summertime. Uh, is it? No, it was February. Oh, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Of course, Juno, it's not always cold. Juno is warm uh, for Alaska, and it, yeah. it, it snows a foot, and then it'll rain and wash it all away. Yeah. And that's where I started out in the FAA flight standards. That's amazing. The Unruly Skies, Larry Williams, our local author. 
<laughs> one man's journey inside the Federal Aviation Administration. And everybody hits the airways. You need this book. That's right. All right, guys. I, these, I've been talking with them. Wrap up the show for a while, but okay. it's good. Thank you, Larry. All right. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.